0: every team every topic everywhere this is
1: believe hello this is john dorsey how you doing buddy boy don't be scared <laughs>
0: What's better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the draft network and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday hump day edition of the show we've got an interesting uh, we'll see if it turns into a debate or not we're not really sure where we stand on uh, on both sides of, of this dilemma that we're going to get into Kyle welcome to the show yeah we don't know where we stand on a
1: lot of stuff let's be honest Well, I think we do individually, but we don't know where each other stands. I know you better than I know my own take sometimes. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty confident in that.
0: That's weird, man.
1: I mean, you got to understand, Joe, this is like episode 280 of Draft Dudes. Is it real? And then we did like 110 episodes of Locked On NFL Draft together. And then we did... A handful of episodes of 365 Draft.
0: And how many unrecorded podcasts have we done? Uh,
1: I think, think we did one just before we did this, this year recording of this podcast. About yeah, we it. took a big old dump on the Buffalo Bills offense of 2018. Not going to bite. Not going to bite, huh? You're going to bite your tongue. You're going to let it go. If you guys check Joe on Twitter, at the Joe Marino, Joe has been dropping some really fun nuggets. About the Buffalo Bills' historically bad offense. And this is not hyperbole, right, Joe? Like, Sad. this isn't just, we're not just saying this. This is like real life. Like, this offense, 11 points per game. 11 and a half. Don't come on. 11 and a half. Excuse yep. me. 11 <laughs> and a half points per game mm-hmm. with three games of less than 100 yards passing in the year 2018.
0: Two hundred thirty-four total yards per game, Kyle. I think that's equally as egregious. And three total passing touchdowns. I thought you weren't going to bite on this. I, well, you, look, you put the you put your best lure out there, you, you, and you, you son of a bitch. Uh, um. Well, and and so no, you called me out of nowhere, and you're like, hey man, I got to tell you some stats about the Buffalo Bills offense. Do you know the receivers only average six point eight receptions per game, which is uh there's combined combined
1: combined combined.
0: out of the whole thing and there's uh there's eight receivers in the nfl that uh individually individually Individually. thank you thank you kyle i haven't watched every snap multiple times
1: well to be fair before you paint me in too much of a corner here with bill's mafia i (laughs) did tell you in the pregame show buffalo will at least split with the dolphins this year
0: and i well yeah
1: we got to do something fun for that right no, we don't have to do anything. We can just pretend that game's not happening. That's what we can do for Could that Could you
0: game. imagine in 25 years from now, me and you recording a podcast on a Friday, the Bills and Dolphins are playing. They're both 12-2. Uh,
1: and two. No, I was going to say like 5-10, <laughs> and 10, no, week 17. No, this
0: is 25 <laughs> years from now. By then, certainly... Jim Kelly and Dan Marino 2.0 are playing for the teams respectively. And there's like not only the AFC East divisional title, but like the first round buy in the wild card. or the first round by the AFC playoffs at stake. And we're going to have like a
1: major bet on it. Could you imagine what what life was like if we would have been around in the early 90s <laughs> when those two teams butted heads like every single year?
0: Would have been fun, man. Would have been fun. Well, well, not really,
1: because Buffalo like won all the playoff. That's why I'm
0: saying it would have been fun, and you would be told, "Oh, Dan Marino has great stats." It would have been great, man.
1: Well, Dan Marino also played with absolutely zero health and one of the worst defensive coordinators in the NFL in the prime of his career. But I digress. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Chad Kelly. Oh, kind of in the same spirit there. Uh, Nephew of Jim. Speaking of Jim Kelly, let's talk about swag. Uh, Swag got arrested (laughs) this week, Joe, and uh, from all reports coming out regarding this incident, Chad showed up uh, incapacitated, walking into someone's house and sat down on their couch and sat next to a woman holding a small child who then (laughs) called for her significant other who came in and, uh, if I read it correctly, hit Chad with a vacuum extension piece, like one of those plastic pieces, and chased him out of the house. And then shortly thereafter, they found Chad in a car in a parking lot near the residence in question. Um, This is the Denver Broncos backup quarterback, the nephew of Chad, or nephew of Jim Kelly, Uh, The same individual that was dismissed from a high school team, dismissed from Clemson, uh, arrested for threatening to get his AK and shoot this place up once committed to Ole Miss. While injured with a torn ACL, ran onto a high school field his final year at Ole Miss to get in an altercation with high school football players who he perceived gave a cheap shot to his brother along the sideline. And now has gotten himself arrested in the NFL. What are we doing? Well, I mean, I th- what is it? The uh,
0: leopards don't change their spots, right? I mean, it's just it's this is following This is who
1: Chad <clears throat> yeah. Kelly is. It is.
0: I, I. But can we spin? Can I have a spin on this? And I'm going to put you on the spot. I love it when you do this. Let's oh, go. Oh, you, you may not after I get done with this. All right. So we I I read that what is that? Like a police report or something. Yes. I read it like multiple times and I just I don't know. I I'm, I'm immature whatever. I just kept laughing just thinking about the <laughs> the, the visual situation. of
1: the whole thing, right?
0: right? <laughs> the whole thing's funny, man. It just is. All right. Which, which draft network staff
1: member? Oh, Jesus. Would be the one to do this
0: would be the most likely to be Chad Kelly in the situation. And I don't mean let's let's take any drugs out of it. Right. Any hardcore drugs. Let's you know, looks we've had a few too many Jack and Cokes. All right. So which 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 staff member. Which staff member would be the most likely to go into some random person's house and sit on the couch next to a woman with a child and find themselves beaten with a vacuum <laughs> a vacuum <Oops>. extension <laughs> extension You know um, you're thinking
1: JC but probably I, I will say this I've been in my day I've had too many drinks right you No know, I feel like Brett Cannaval here at the uh, the hearings I like beer <laughs> Sometimes I had too many beers did you ever black out? Um, but I've never been at a point where I've walked into the wrong house, sat down next to someone I don't know who it is, just didn't acknowledge them at all, and then got pummeled with, with the extension piece of vacuum cleaner. You know, um, you know, you know Kiko Alonzo did this, right? Kiko, Kiko yeah. Alonzo did this, this. Yeah, I know Kiko did this. I know this. I'm going to go with Trevor because Trevor's yeah. the yeah. youngest one in the group that, that parties. Ben doesn't party.
0: Yeah, no chances is Ben, right? He's the no. least
1: likely. I mean, he would do it, but he wouldn't be inebriated. He would just like go do it and be like, oh, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And then say, excuse me, sir, can you please leave? And Ben would say, oh, bless you, I'm so terribly sorry, and then walk out. And that's how Ben would handle that situation.
0: I like how you made this personal, and you talked about your history. And but you've never been to this point, which is it's kind of impressive because I've seen you throw back, man. And I'm I'm kind of impressed how you keep it together, man. You're very functioning, and maybe that's concerning. Uh, I don't know.
1: I've learned my limits the hard way. Well, we need to push.
0: We're going to push the limits soon.
1: Very soon. Yes. Well, if you're looking to push the limits and get out and see some good old sporting events, we got a great deal for you here on Draft Dudes. I'm going to talk to you guys about Vivid Seats. Uh, Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing you fans of live entertainment with experiences that will last you a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theater, and more. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy, easy purchasing experience. So here's what you need to do. Using the podcast code LOCKEDON, listeners will get $20 off orders of $200 or more if they're first-time customers. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app on your phone or smart device. Enter promo code LOCKEDON to enter $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. Once again, use the podcast code LOCKEDON with the Vivid Seats app from the App Store or Google Play. Do not wait. We'll be right back after this brief pause to talk about the dire offensive prospect situation regarding the 2019 NFL draft. All right, Joe, I think we got uh, all the fun games out of the way here. It's time to talk some business, don't you think? Yeah, got off the rails there at the intro. I'm sorry. No, I'm glad you kind of (laughs) threw me under the bus there and put me on the spot. It's, It's when some of our best work and magic happens. But right now, we're going to talk about the 2019 NFL Draft, and we're going to talk about the economics of the offensive side of the football. This is something that was kind of accentuated to me personally uh, after you had approached me with this topic, because one of the things that I wrote today over at the Draft Network is the five most pressing team needs halfway through the 2018 season. And you get teams needing offensive line and offensive tackles and wide receivers and quarterbacks. And these are very pressing needs. These are the most prominent needs of any team of any roster in the NFL, any position. There's just one little problem, Joe. These teams, if they're picking high, they're not going to have players that are, are necessarily viable selections that early in the draft relative to the elite defensive talent, specifically the defensive line that is available in the year's NFL draft. So the question that you had posed to me was, what do these teams do? So Joe, from here, I'd like you to kind of further elaborate on your initial thoughts and ideas regarding this topic before we get into our, our thoughts and considerations on some of the teams.
0: Yeah, so the Draft Network collectively, we've put out 14 mock drafts for you. Every one of our staff members have put two out. And so we're kind of getting some themes based on the feedback that we get from from fans of teams and what they think of the picks. And, you know, one thing that I kind of keep seeing is, you know, the Bills, right? The Bills will be, we'll have them picking a defensive player. And there's a lot of response, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to hang myself if the Bills don't pick an offensive player. You know, and it's kind of begs a question that, like, you can't just slot a receiver or an offensive lineman to them if there's not one worth the pick. I mean, can you really pass let's say the bills pick number three and nick bosa's off the board and justin herbert's off the board and so the bills are sitting there with these talented worthy picks on the defensive side of the ball like a quinn and williams from alabama like a cleveland Farrell from clemson like even a greedy williams from lsu and do you give them an offensive player just to give them an offensive player because that's where their biggest need is like I think you get into some dangerous stuff trading away from premier talent and and ignoring that for the sake of trading back or for the sake of reaching on a player at a position of need, especially when we're talking super early in the draft.
1: Yeah. Um, From my personal perspective here and roster construction philosophies, Take good players. Yeah. You know, like unless you're a team that that went to a conference championship game last year and you feel like you're one specific player that can fill one specific niche role on your roster away, why wouldn't you take the best player? You know, I can bank from personal experience here, Joe, just this year alone regarding how quickly uh, depth can be sapped from your team. You know, the Dolphins came into this year, they had Cam Wake, Andre Branch, William Hayes. Charles Harris was like a third-string defensive end as a 2017 first-round pick. Within four weeks, Charles Harris was starting, and they had lost Hayes for the season. Branch and Wake both went down. You need depth, mm-hmm. especially players that play positions that can wreck an opposing team's game plan. So if you've got a guy like Quentin Williams on the board at three, or if you're like me and you still really, really like Raquan Davis, he's kind of become a quiet name because he's getting overshadowed by Quinton Williams. Raquan Davis, Jeffrey Simmons, and these guys are high-impact football players. Cleveland Farrell potentially at three. Now, these guys play premium positions. You're getting them on a rookie contract, so from an economics perspective, The dollars you're going to pay these players relative to your hopeful production from an elite player at a high-impact position, it's a bargain and a steal. So that economic perspective of it for me is just as valuable as maybe necessarily checking that box in the first round and checking that team need. Because, Joe, the draft is seven rounds long, now, you're not going to have the same expectations for a seventh-round pick as you do for a first-round pick, but you're going to have multiple opportunities to address these positions. And I think doing anything other than taking the high-impact, high-caliber football players, especially early on top five, top ten, mm-hmm. is very short-sighted.
0: The, the offensive players that I think you and I can agree on that are worth top ten picks – First of all, D.K. Metcalf was part of that discussion. But with his neck situation, that's not something anybody can be comfortable with right now, right? We're not talking about a knee. We're talking about a neck. We don't know the severity. We don't know it. And so right now, I don't think we can be talking about him as a prospect right now. Other than that, it's Justin Herbert who every day we seem to hear more and more that he's not going to declare. And then Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle for Alabama. I can get comfortable or I can get behind any one of those players in the top 10, probably not in the top five, honestly, to be, you know, to be completely honest with you in a perfect world. But if you certainly, if you're the giants and Herbert's in the draft, you draft him 10 times out of 10, you don't think about anything else. Right. But, but, you know, so like you don't, you don't trade away from Nick Bosa because you need offense and you're not, you're not going to take a quarterback you know, thinking about the bills, jets, Cardinals, not going to take a quarterback this year. You don't trade away from Ed Oliver, in my opinion. You probably don't even trade away from a greedy Williams. And I think that's a, it's just dangerous, man. And, and kind of building off some of the points you made, the NFL draft is about collecting good football players. And yeah, you need to factor in need and, and positional value and all those types of things. But at the top of the draft, even, even if – It's it's defense heavy. It doesn't make it okay to reach for offensive players. This is how teams get in trouble, Kyle. You've got to take the best players, and it has to make sense. Locked on NFL draft, Trevor Sickema, good friend of ours. He mocked, and this was pre Amari Cooper trade, he mocked the Dallas Cowboys at number nine, J.J. Arcega Whiteside, the Stanford wide receiver. That's a reach. And that's why it it was kind of a stupid philosophy with this Cowboys trade to give up a number one pick for Amari Cooper because of what they thought the receiver landscape could look like in next year's draft. Right. Really? Is that the logic we're going to give them? They box them into receiver and the possibilities of taking one of the top 32, and that was the only thought they had, there's no way you pigeonhole yourself in October to thinking that you're taking a wide receiver next April. There's so much that we have to learn. So I think we're both on the same page here.
1: Well, I think the decision from Dallas is pretty simple, is that they're looking at the NFC East landscape this year, and they see it's for the taking. So if they've got a player that they think can really put their offense over the edge... I don't blame them for making a move and being aggressive, but they paid too much and Amari Cooper's not going to solve Dallas's offensive issues because they're getting beat up up front, which is weird to say. And Dak Prescott's not it. So congrats, like <laughs> twenty twenty playing for 2020 quarterback class, just like half the league feels like, you know, but, um, I I think what this really accentuates, Joe, is one of my personal evaluation changes that I'm making this year, and that's introducing a horizontal board to how I present my thoughts on the class once all of the player assessments are done, because it gives you this really clear visual. Horizontal boards are laid out in tiers, so you extend this thing horizontally, each position gets a column. And that column is broken down into tiers of top 10 values and first round values and second round values and third round values and so on and so forth. And you just stack the players in each positional column in their appropriate tier. So you can see the defensive line group might have four or five top 10 talents in that top 10 talent tier. Your top quarterback might be an early two. If you see that discrepancy in your team and you don't need the quarterback, if you're not the New York Giants, right? Because quarterback, if you need one, it plays on its own set of rules. If you're the Dallas Cowboys and you are hypothetically picking sixth and Calvin Harmon's your top wide receiver because DK Metcalf has a neck injury and you gave him a top 40 grade, but he was your top wide receiver and he was an early two value and you look horizontally across that board, and you see players that are two tiers up above the player that you're considering because you need that player at that position, and you choose to take the player that uh, that's your position to need, you just simply failed the number one rule of the draft, which is maximize and optimize your value in every single opportunity that you have to pick. So if you get on the board, and you're picking 28th, and you don't have any first-round values left, you need to be making phone calls trying to trade back because there's no players left that you have valued at that pick's position on the board. So it goes both ways. But I think that really how this conversation has carried us accentuates why I think it's important to recognize that that's how a lot of teams operate is they lay them out horizontally so they can see the value specifically.
0: If there's another offensive player Outside of the guys we've talked about. Worthy of a top 10 pick. Who could you get behind? Is there anybody else? Could you get behind Harmon?
1: It's a little rich for me. Harmon's a little rich. I think if you were going off the receiving upside, no offense, my next closest player, because he's such a dynamic threat and and (laughs) very miscast at Iowa. Mm-hmm. He's like getting like 9.5 yards a catch like the last two games or something like that. He's not used to the volume in which I think he could be. And this is like a Jimmy Graham type mismatch talent. So that still is going to require some development. It's going to come with the understanding that you're not playing him with his hand in the dirt. You have to be comfortable with him essentially playing big slot. But I think Fant is kind of the mismatch player that I could get drawn to. There's no running backs at all. Rodney Anderson was RB one before uh, he suffered his own unfortunate injury earlier this year, and I've gone through his film, and he's got likable traits. But you know that that's a top 50 player for me. That's not a top 32 player for me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I'm looking at my my board right now, and you got to throw DK Metcalf off. I have Herbert. Williams at 11. And then it's Calvin Harmon at 15. Then I don't have another offensive player to, yeah, I need at 21. Just not not the year to need offense early. Or you just get it at the appropriate value, right? Right. Get in the second round, get in the third round.
1: But if you're a fan of a team that needs offense and you see a mock draft that gives you an elite player, don't get (laughs) mad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you've got, if your team's that bad, no offense, if your team sucks and it's picking in the top 10, it's going to have a top 45 pick. And if it has that 33 to 45, guess what? That's going to be a great place to check the box with much more appropriate value.
0: Raiders did it this past year, Kyle. They traded, they traded away from what I thought was good talent. A
1: Slid back, got, talent. Colton,
0: got Colton Miller. They, they did it. That, they literally did it last year. They got a middling offensive tackle prospect who's really struggled this year. Trade away from Derwin James. And then drafted a position of need. Drafted a position of need. You can't, you don't trade, there's certain players you don't trade away from. And I know other teams passed on Derwin James, and that was stupid too. Look at the Buccaneers.
1: Traded back from 7 to 12. And got Vita Vea. Took a two down <laughs> nose tackle in the top 15.
0: Could have had Derwin James.
1: Could have had Derwin James. And they could have had Derwin James when they traded back, too. They'd pass on him twice. Well, so did the Raiders, technically, right? Right. It wasn't hard, that's, man. That's why <laughs> bad teams stay bad, right? It really is. It
0: really Misappropriation
1: is. of value. Joe, any parting thoughts?
0: Uh, we got a fun one tomorrow.
1: Oh yeah, we do. We gotta yeah. create four new
0: franchises. Oh man, it's good. I think we should have uh mascots as well. We're not just cities.
1: You gotta of give me a, you a full team of name. Course. We, you full package. Team name. Give the full package, absolutely. Yep, yep. Can't wait. If you guys have ideas, cities, mascots, color wheels, <laughs> all of these great things for our four created franchises on tomorrow's baby big boards please hit us up. Joe's on Twitter at the Joe Marino. I'm on Twitter at grinding the tape. Make sure you swing over to the draft network. Make sure you check out those boys over at locked on NFL draft. Uh, They're doing some good stuff this time of year as well. Our compadres at the draft network. And uh, we're going to be on locked on NFL draft on Friday doing the draft network super show. So hit that subscribe button on both of these podcasts, please and you can catch all four of us together. It's always a good time when the gang all gets together. And uh, as we said, we got a good show lined up for you guys tomorrow, so make sure you stop back. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.